Good afternoon, everyone. We've got Dr. Connor and Dr. Mick here. Take two. <laughs> We're using a different program. Hopefully, the uh, the audio recording is going to be a little bit clearer on this one. Um, and also, uh, what we'd like to try to do is uh, give you guys a podcast today on everything disc bulges. Disc bulges, especially if you've got an injury and you're concerned and you feel like you need help. And hopefully uh, you can get the right help by coming to us at Back to Life. Uh, we're, we've spent a lot, a lot of years treating disc bulges successfully and safely and prevented a lot of surgeries. So I feel like we've done a lot, a lot of treatment on discs over the years and feel that um, we're experts, experts in how to treat them. So uh, Dr. Connor's here. Hello, Connor. Hi, guys. How are you going? Uh, and what we'd like to do is take you through, if you've got a disc bulge, what you can do in the initial stages. Next time you hear from us, which will be next week, we're going to give you some videos on how to rehabilitate a disc bulge after the pain has died down a bit. Okay, so first of all, we'd like to talk about what is a disc bulge. Connor, do you want to yeah. handle that? So the disc is, so in your spine, it's made up of vertebra, which is the bones. And then in between that, you have the discs, which act as shock, shock absorbers, and they're made of like a rubberized sort of material. So what happens is you usually have a trauma or you have little micro traumas, and that usually causes the bulge. And you can have that. So in the disc, you have uh, annulus in the middle, and then you have the um, the nucleus, the nucleus in the middle. Sorry, apologies. You have the nucleus in the middle, and then the annular fibers that run around the side. And what can happen is that um, nucleus can push out, and that can cause pressure on the spine and cause a lot of pain and sciatica symptoms, nerve pain in the lower back and down the legs as well. Excellent. Okay, so what we'd like to do is go through a few topics about disc bulges, what causes them, uh, what to do if you've got one, how to prevent them, and our philosophy for treatment uh, regarding a disc bulge. So first of all, we'd like to talk about, uh, we've given you a brief rundown of what a disc bulge is, uh, why they happen, and Connor and I have had a quick chat about this, but why they happen is an acute trauma. So once again, it's, it's maybe lifting something that's super heavy and bending down um, using your back and not your knees and spreading the load and too much force has gone through that. And when you lift up, you're often rotating and extending in um, coming from a flex position and that causes too much force to go through the disc and then the disc can no longer sustain the amount of uh, force through it and the fibres on the outside can damage because there's like the rings of satin, there's rings around the disc and what can happen is those layers can get torn one by one by one. And you can have one big rupture or you can have lots of little ruptures. And I'll just let Connor talk to you about what some what micro tears are and micro traumas to uh, explain how that can also cause damage to the disc. Yeah, so a micro tear. So the most common one we probably see is just with the lower back, it's just poor posture. So over years of poor posture, that puts a lot of strain onto the disc and to those fibers. And then over time, over years, you get little micro traumas, little tears, and then eventually 10 years down the track, you have this big explosion and this big rupture, and that's when the disc eventually bulges and causing the pain. Okay, perfect. Um, so we think micro traumas can happen from not only poor posture, but maybe things like 
golf, um, it, swinging one way and rotating one way the whole time, yeah. whippersnippering, vacuuming, anything that involves you loading the spine and often bending forward at the waist and then using your arms can cause too much pressure on, on the lower discs. Yeah. Most common type of disc bulge is which one, mate? L4, L5. L4, L5 and L5, S1. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. So they're the two most common. And with the bulging itself, uh, it decreases in um, in uh, likelihood of happening the further you go up the spine. Until you get to... Although you have, I was very impressed by that, when you first started with us here, you diagnosed what's called a thoracic disc. Um, so yes, that's a disc bulge, very uncommon. Yeah. yeah, and that's when, because normally you have the rib cage to stabilize the mm-hmm. spine, but sometimes, really, the discs do bulge in between those vertebrae in the mid back, don't they? Yes, it's very rare, but it is possible. Yeah. yeah, and so that can, what symptoms did, was that causing that patient? Yeah, so honestly, that was just causing symptoms very similar. He was getting some pain, some referral into the middle of his back. He was getting some pain of breathing, pain when he was coughing, but that was actually being caused from that patient because he was working on ceilings and working on fans. Just that constant flexing and that extension from the um, middle of his thoracics was over time. And again, that that was micro trauma over years and years of that work. And eventually the disc just ruptured. It couldn't sustain it anymore. It's kind of that sort of injury to me sounds like an analogy where you've Say you've got those ice creams where you've got a wafer and a wafer with the ice cream in between. Mm. And then eventually what yeah. happens over time is if you push those wafers together, that the ice cream starts yes. to bulge out on the outside. Yeah. That's what's going on in my mind when yeah. you explain that one. Yeah. So there's different, and the disc bulges do happen in the neck as well, don't they? Yes, they do. Yeah. They so that can happen right throughout the spine. Most common down low in the low back, um, probably quite common in the neck as well to some extent Mm. especially with degeneration and and the loss of a normal curve in your neck Um, but then probably to a lesser extent the mid-back because of that stability through the ribs so let's go through the different types of bulges uh, or the different type I shouldn't say bulges is different types of damage that can Mm. occur to a disc so uh, first of all I'll go through the first one the most common one we see is what's called an annular tear where the outer layer of the disc um, becomes torn. Uh, it hurts to bend forward. It hurts to sit. It hurts when you cough or sneeze or bear down to go to the toilet. Okay, um, But it doesn't necessarily give you leg pain or sciatica. Mm-hmm. It just gives you centralised back pain or pain into the glute. And it will um, be quite severe. Um, but it normally will, the pain will, the problem won't go away, but the pain will often resolve in between uh, four and six weeks. Okay, so that's, that's uh, uh, an annular tear, which means an outer fibre tear of the discs. Yeah. What's another type of disc injury? So you can get, so, this, uh, so from the annular tear, it can become more advanced, so you can have protrusions and extrusions as well. So in regards to what Mick's talking about, the protrusion, the extrusion is more advanced in the sense that it goes further out and it protrudes and it can actually usually cause pressure on the nerves around the area. So with that, you get a lot more acute pain around the area, a lot of swelling, 
and it's very common that you get leg pain as well. So it's difficult to walk. You have what's called an antalgic posture. So you need to lean to one side to get pressure off the disc, um, severe leg pain. And again, that's, um, although pain again will probably subside, it'd probably take a bit longer to get completely out of pain. You're looking more probably the eight to 12 week mark. And again, that will go away, but the problem will not be fixed. So there's, and what Connor's talking about, there can, there's another more serious type um, called a herniation. Yeah. And that's where, so we've talked about a few, first scenario number one, the, the disc tears on the outside. Then you get multiple tears, which results in a protrusion. Um, but a full disc herniation is when that ball bearing in the middle, the jelly-like stuff, goes and pushes in on the outside. And once you get to that stage, it's, it's very difficult to heal the disc because mm. it's been damaged uh, several times over a long period of time, hasn't it? Yeah. So um, another type of disc injury, quite simply, is just bulging discs. So uh, the disc is actually bulged due to compression over time. That can, may or may not cause um, pressure on nerves, but it doesn't necessarily have to cause a lot of pain mm. either. Yeah. Um, it can just be back pain, mm. you know, diffuse back pain. A, a, a common, a rare one that we do see is what's called a sequestration. Yes. What's a sequestration? Mate? So that's sequestration is when you have the nucleus inside has completely come out of the disc and that is just in the spinal cord. That fluid just completely, that jelly-like substance has completely gone out and it's called what's called a sequestration. Yeah, and a bit breaks off. Yeah. And often the sequestration, where, where what actually happens is a bit of it breaks off and lodges into the spinal canal, yeah. and it can push on the spinal cord, mm-hmm. and it can also push on the spinal nerves. Um, it's important to distinguish with a sequestration, which are rare, but when you have them, uh, one of two things is gonna happen. It's either, we, we, with treatment, try to get pressure, get movement to move the sequestration off the nerve, or you get surgery to remove the chunk that's on the nerve, or if you do absolutely nothing over time, uh, it will dissolve. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's different options that happen with a sequestration, but you don't want a sequestration because it's very hard to do anything yeah. about. I wouldn't say any disc injury is good, but uh, if you've got one of those ones, a little bit more serious, a bit hard to, to treat from our perspective. Yeah. Um, how can you tell, we sort of touched on this, but how do you tell if you've got a disc bulge? So obviously the most common thing is if you are picking up something and it is an acute injury, you could be picking up, twisting, that sort of thing. You might hear a click or a pop as well in your lower back and then you feel pretty instant pain. So it's usually centrally located in your lower back. As I said, you may get some numbness and tingling and you usually get pain with coughing. Coughing's very, if you go into the toilet as well, when you're bearing, bearing down on the toilet, that will be quite painful because it's actually putting internal pressure on the disc itself, which is, uh, and then you also, very common symptoms getting, it's very painful at night. Yeah, yeah that's a good painful. point. Why yeah. is it painful at night? So it becomes painful at night because at night what happens, it's quite an interesting fact, when you wake up the next morning, you actually wake up a few centimetres taller they actually went to sleep. Yeah. And that is because what happens overnight is the fluid comes into the discs, so that increases your height, but with that increased fluid into the disc, it makes, it expands it, 
and that puts more pressure and that more pressure on the nerves and that can cause more pain. Yeah, well said, yeah. mate. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, the, the nighttime one's a giveaway too, yes. isn't it? Yeah. That's why often, and it leads me to my next point, and if you're sitting there listening, okay, I've got some of this stuff. Mm. What do I do? What do I do if I've got this stuff and I'm in a lot of pain and mm. I'm distressed and you're hammering the anti-inflammatories and they're helping a bit, but they're not totally uh, helping you, the Nurofen and the Voltaren. Um, what what can you do if you've got one? Look, of course, you could come in, see us, get some treatment, that sort of stuff. But at home, what you need to do is probably pain management. So a good thing to do at home is just for sleeping as well. When you're sleeping, lying on your side, putting a pillow in between your legs as well, that helps take pressure off your lower back. But also things like heat and ice can help take some inflammation when you're very acute out of the area. But really, you're going to need some some form of treatment. Yeah, and also decompression. Yeah. So lying on your back flat on the floor mm-hmm. with your knees up and your feet up at 90 degrees to flatten out your back and to decompress it. Very, very helpful. Yeah. Um, I often find that icing before bed is helpful with that swelling situation mm-hmm. so they don't swell up overnight. And if you have to take anti-inflammatory medication, there's other things that you can take uh, that are natural that we really like. There's there's products um, from Metagenics that we can steer you in the right direction towards if you're not into taking the pharmaceutical drugs, which can have side effects, especially if you're tic-tacking them and, and, and chomping on them because um, you're in a lot of pain, they can cause a lot of gastrointestinal irritation in the short term. Uh, longer term, they have effects on kidneys and liver and blood pressure and so forth. Uh, but in the short term, yeah, they're, they're not good to take in high doses. Yeah. So there are other options available for you. Uh, probably cost a little bit more than the Nurofen, but I believe it's more effective in actually treating uh, the the actual inflammation because it can often be a bounce back effect with neurofen and sometimes some people believe that taking too much swelling out of an injury can prolong it so the swelling is there as a bit of a friend sometimes as well mm. to help it heal yeah um what would you say our philosophy for treatment is regarding um a disbulge a lot of people yeah. a lot of, i don't think even yeah. a lot of GPs or physios even yeah. really understand what we do yeah. in regard to treatment. Uh, with chiropractic, there's so many different techniques, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. yeah. What's one of the techniques we could do for disbody? Yeah, so technique we like to use, it's called SOT. So that is when you, if you've been to our clinic, you might have seen it or you might have had it done to you, is we get you lying down, we pop some blocks underneath you, and that is an aim to, just to take some pressure off that disc and also to try and get some of that because what happens is your sacrum gets quite restricted, so that's your tailbone, and we just try and get that moving a little bit, and that helps pump some um, cerebrospinal fluid through and gets the spinal cord moving a bit more. Yeah, because movement is the key to healing, isn't it? Our body braces when there's an injury, and it will shut down. That's why people walk in, you know when they've got a disc, don't you, straight away, because they they walk in like a... they're, they've been strung up by a marionette. They're like mm. a puppet because yeah. they don't want to put any pressure through the disc. Yeah. Um, but it's a dead giveaway the way they walk in if they've got a disc bulge because um, they're trying to shut down movement in that area and that's the body's way of trying to shut it down. But it's also counterintuitive because it needs movement. That's global movement gets shut down, mm. but you need movement at the injury site to help it heal. Um, there's all, there's uh, adjustments we can do mm. for disc bulges. So there's different... To chiropractic adjustments there's a technique called Gonstead and that involves 
doing adjustments to decompress the disc. Um, there's the technical diversified, which is they have adjustments, which is a slightly different philosophy, but you're causing a distraction to open up the disc that is, that is inflamed. Um, uh, we like to use acupuncture because acupuncture works really well at reducing inflammation, but also getting blood flow into the injured disc. Um, anything else you can think of? No, I think that covers it. Uh, some people use um, uh, things like uh, electrophysical therapy, things like yeah. that, which is microcurrent tens yeah. machines. Uh, uh, Cold laser, yeah. I think cold laser can work well for reducing inflammation. Um, but I think what we do is, is more effective. Um, I guess what differences, the difference is between our approach and say a physiotherapy approach, whereas the physio would be trying to do some massage to loosen the area and then get you to strengthen your core. Mm-hmm. Whereas we would be doing the same thing, but I think our level of treatment uh, is uh, we have a lot more education, a lot more techniques into specifically how to take pressure off an injured disc, don't yeah, we? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what is what is the likelihood a patient who uh, has an acute disc bulge will need an operation? In your opinion, very low, very low. So I'm, it's uh, it can be very painful when it happens. And you have a lot of patients come in, they're in a lot of distress, have um, high anxiety about it because it's, it is a very painful experience. But the stats show, I think it's about 90%. Most of them are self-healing and they, they can recover on their own. Yeah, well said. I think it's important to note that especially um, whilst the pain is really severe, if it's well treated, yep. Uh, the recovery is, is the prognosis is really good. Okay, so while you might feel distressed listening to this, uh, we can be, you can be rest assured that we've treated literally hundreds or thousands of discs in the clinic that have resolved. I would say of the thousands of discs, say, say I've treated a thousand discs, I could tell you that the amount of, out of that thousand discs I've treated, I would only say there's only been about 20 to 30 that I've actively recommended for surgery. And if I recommend you for surgery, it means that I really think you need it. And I will gladly work with an orthopedic surgeon or a neurosurgeon to uh, get you the right care in the short term if the disc is not resolving. Often we can tell within two, three, four weeks how you're gonna travel. Is it gonna take longer? Possibly. Not all discs resolve in, in four to six weeks. But rest assured, uh, if, I th- if we think that we can help you, you will get better, okay? If, if you are not making progress and you've seen us for you know, four weeks, we're scratching our heads wondering why, okay? So normally we will have a, a, a plan uh, and a course of care tailored to your needs to get you the best outcomes, reliable outcomes. Um, what do they do in an operation? There's different types of operations, aren't there, Connor? Yeah. So a very common one is you have a disectomy. So that's when they go in and with the bulge, actually just trim, trim the bulge. And so that's, that's a very common one. And then another one, you also have a laminectomy. So they go in and they actually remove some of the bones. So there's a lamina, which is part of the actual vertebra itself. So they go in, they remove that, and that's also to help try and take some pressure off the off spinal, the nerves, yeah, yeah. Off the nerve and the spinal cord and 
give the um, disc a little bit more space. Because real serious disc injuries don't often present with back pain, do they? No. They present with sciatica-type yeah. symptoms, leg, leg leg problems, pins and needles mm-hmm. and numbness. If they're real severe, muscle weakness. Yes. Uh, we'll check yeah. your reflexes. Often reflexes will change with a disc injury, yeah. won't they? Yeah. Um, and we'll know the extent of it just by examining you. We may or may not... We, we'll often refer for x-rays because we're interested in why it happened in the first place. Yeah. But we may or may not refer for an MRI or a CT scan. The reason being is that nearly all patients, if they're in a lot of pain, want to get the MRI. And if anyone's anxious about getting it, I would happily refer them off. But the reason being is we know what's going to be in there. You know. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't change the treatment we're going to do or change. It, it doesn't really change a lot. Exactly. And it costs a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. And, and, if it, and if it does, you know, if there's a cost involved, we'd rather you spend that, mm. that, those funds on getting better yeah. rather than just having information. Mm. Because sometimes with medicine, I believe that we spend too much money on finding out what's wrong yeah. than effective ways to make it better. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a, you mentioned a discectomy, a laminectomy. If they fail and the success rates for spinal operations aren't high um, because after five years the likelihood of you needing some sort of help again is almost 50 percent so whether or not that's cortisone injections because the pain has come back down the leg or whether that is another full operation uh, it is quite likely if you have one operation even a discectomy you may need another because um, discectomies often, if they're failed, can lead to a thing called spinal fusion. Mm-hmm. And a spinal fusion is where they act, the disc is so eroded and dehydrated and there's too much nerve pressure, so they'll often put in what's called a fake disc and then fuse two vertebrae so it doesn't move. So what that does is give space for the nerves, but unfortunately when they fuse two vertebrae together, what happens, Connor? They become they become very solid and there's no mobility. It just comes really very restricted. So what happens is to actually get that movement in just everyday life, what happens is the vertebrae below and above it need to do more work. So they they can become they become they get more pressure on them and they have uh, de- degenerate very quickly and it's very common that you start presenting sy- symptoms elsewhere because of that. Yeah, it can lead to instability. Instant, yeah. yeah, so you can get too much movement mm-hmm. in an area because there's not enough movement yeah. below now. Mm-hmm. So it's a quite, and we've actually put some images of that on Instagram and Facebook if you guys are interested in having a look what that looks like uh, with this surgery when it fails. Yeah. Okay, see. So the reason why we're giving you this information is you don't want to have a disc operation, okay? It should yeah. be a last resort, not a first resort. And every avenue should be exhausted before you get back surgery. Yeah. Let's face it, sometimes it's necessary and yeah. we want you guys to get better and recover. But it, it's it's unfortunate that it happens if you have a serious back injury, but you must treat it like a serious problem. It's, it's like breaking a leg or breaking an arm. They'll cast it for six weeks and it's an inconvenience, but then you'll need rehab after the cast comes on. Mm. It's no different with a disc bulge. It's important that you allow it to heal and take the right actions and look after yourself if you want a full recovery. Um, uh, we spoke about uh, operations that fail. I mean, there's are other risks in operations as well. I just had a quick look. Um, obviously, risk of um, 
anesthesia, deep venous thrombosis, infections. Um, there's uh, actually a thing called failed disc syndrome uh, where you do need effusion. There's tears in the dura mater, which can lead to headache. I'm treating a patient with that at the moment. And they can get, you can actually get tears in the membranes around the spine. And that can result in different problems that you didn't originally have. Um, and you can actually, some, sometimes you can have worse pain after the operation, not better. So, um, yeah, and I just wanted to give some official stats on that. In 2014, they had... Um, that they believe that unsuccessful surgeries in the Journal of Medicine and Life were around 33%. And in two, so that's for unsuccessful. Uh, but so that means that it just didn't work and you're in a worse position. In 2018, they're sort of saying in the Asian Spine Journal that their surgery success is around 50%. But if you have to have another operation, a second operation, that success rate decreases to 30%. A third operation is 15% and a fourth operation is 5%. So, you know, when so basically the way I'm giving all this information is I'm trying to get you guys to see that it's very necessary for you to, for you to maximise everything you can do before you get a spinal operation. It should not be a first choice. It should be a, a final choice where you've tried and exhausted all other avenues and if it's not getting better we would actively encourage you to get the operation i've got a patient going in for surgery this week and uh i have indicated to him that it's the right choice however i've also encouraged him to follow up with me in four to six weeks and we'll start care again um, because he was in an unfortunate circumstance, and the reason why he got his disc bulge was he's got a three, he's got some spinal damage from sport when he was younger, but he's got a three-year-old daughter that he carried on his shoulders, and so that compression over time yeah. from age zero to age three eventually led to a disc yeah. issue, um, and he woke up one day with pins and needles and numbness um, down his left leg and also some little bit of muscle weakness, mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's going to get the surgery, but we are going to follow up in four to six weeks and start some maintenance care again to stop that problem, what we spoke about Mm. before, of the instability going to the disc above. Um, I think that's about it, buddy. So we've spoken about what you can do if you've got an acute disc bulge. We've spoken about um, uh, some, some things to do at home. What shouldn't you do? What are some things if you've got an acute disc bulge that you should do? At? So really, you just don't want to aggravate it anymore. So the injury was caused because obviously micro trauma or from a flex position usually, very common. So the best thing that you can do is not go back into that flex position because that could make the disc injury even worse. It could push that disc even further out and cause more pain and more pressure. And one of the worst things you can do as well is a lot of people, because they are in a lot of pain, they think the best thing to do is just stay in bed or sit on the couch all day and just do nothing. And the studies and stuff actually show that is the worst thing you can do for it. Even though it is painful, it's really important that you do try and move as much as you can in pain-free or just going for going for a walk, even if it's just a walk around the house, just moving, because not moving will cause everything to keep spasming up really tight 
and it'll it'll take you longer to get better. Yeah, great advice. And, yeah. and when you said a flex position, what would be some examples of a flex position at home? So at home, picking up the washing, things like that. So picking out the washing from the laundry, doing the dishwasher, that sort of stuff, bending down, um, getting stuff out of the drawers. What would be a worse position to sit in, you reckon? The worst position? Yeah, because sitting aggravates it, doesn't it? Yeah. That's another sign of a disc injury is that sitting aggravates it. Yeah. Is, is there a type of chair that you don't like? Um, look, I don't really like I don't really like the low couch chair, so that's when your um, sort of your legs are up, you're sitting, and you come go into more of a slumped position, and that causes more pressure on your lower back as well. It's very common. Yeah, the low the low lounges are yeah. really bad. Mm. Um, that's where even a, a stool is better. Mm. But if you have to sit, one of the best things that we've found in the research shows this is a recliner. Mm-hmm. So lying with your back angled back to an angle of about 120, 130 degrees with your legs up uh, works really well to help decompress the disc. Recliners are fantastic for disc injuries. The other thing is just lying on your side with the disc bulge side up. Um, so you can actually help the disc sort of get pressure off it by lying on your side, disc bulge side up. Most people will do that naturally with the way they sleep because it's the only way they can get relief. Yeah. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, to put your f- uh, pillow between your legs, yeah. really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, what else don't we like? I don't like, kind of mentioned the household chores that are bad. Uh, you just got to avoid any sport in the short term. Yeah. That, that, that you, know, you, you shouldn't be playing any sport really, especially any golf, anything like that involves any lumbar rotation. Um, no lifting. Avoid yeah. no lifting, no bending and twisting. Uh, you need if you need help around the house, you need help. You you, you shouldn't be trying to. Um, this is a time where you should be putting your hand up and asking for help and not not battling through it. Uh, I think that covers it, mate. That's most of the time we give. That's the advice we give in the first two to three weeks of treatment, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what we want to do next week, and please tune in with us or check out our video once it hits Facebook or YouTube. And we'll show you what to do, exactly what exercises to do if you have uh, a a disc bulge that's starting to settle down, but the exercises you need to strengthen your back and to help hopefully prevent it in conjunction with treatment uh, to help you stay well. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. All right, guys, look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, See you guys. See you guys. Bye.